It's the Score North Twin Show. Woo! Warm up those hands. Yes. If they still have another move in them. A little, little trade. I hope so. Be a little, little signing. Doogie floated the Michael A. Taylor thing that he thinks they're still sniffing around bringing Michael A. Taylor back. Right-handed bat, corner, outfield position, please. Okay, so you're, you know Michael A. Taylor for you. Well, I would like that, but I'm, I'm saying I, I think you desperately need to add a, a right-handed bat in the corner outfield, too. Did Solaire sign anywhere? Is he still sitting out there? I don't there? think he has signed yet. Lurking? And I wouldn't mind a starting pitcher, mm-hmm. too, but mm-hmm. it's sort of a hodgepodge mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. He's still sitting out there. Apparently the Giants are in talks with... There's plenty of guys. Jorge Soler. More of a DH. Than who remain unemployed at this point. Yeah. We'll see if there's a mad rush because pitchers and catchers report this weekend across most. For the Twins, it's this weekend. Uh, most teams are like around this weekend. And then full squad workouts next week down in Fort Myers. So baseball season's like pretty much here. Mm-hmm. And our guy Declan, before we get to another chunk of our top 25 Twins of all time and a random Twin of the Week, Declan spent the entire week, now that Carl Santana has signed, putting together two different variations of a Twins lineup versus left-handed pitching and right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. You've, he, he hasn't slept in like 72 I hours, have, folks. I, I am not kidding when I say I have been tossing and turning, thinking of different combinations after I have finished this. I, I, have, honey, I have, honey, honey. I've redone this saying, four times. Kirilov, Kirilov, they can't, they can't, Santana, they can't bet him. Oh, he's he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. Julian versus lefties. (laughs) So where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? All right, so let's do this. So let's do a lineup versus right-handed pitching. Keep in mind two things. The first time I did this, I had to do this with no Kepler and also no Polanco. Kepler is now obviously back in the fold here for this edition. Obviously, Polanco has been traded. And by the way, just so I'm clear, because I was called, I believe, a doofus for the first one, this is what I would do. This is not what I think Rocco Baldelli will do, okay? Well, yeah, you had Buxton. Didn't you have, like, no, you had Carlos Correa batting, like, eighth or something, yep. which was a little aggressive. No, it was Buxton. Now, you had Correa, like, in the bottom three. I had Correa percent. lower, and I have made. And maybe Buxton even further below. What a doofus. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's fine. And bravo, Watson. Great great slam on me calling me a doofus. That's that's phenomenal. Um, So let's, I, let, let's go with right-handed like pitching. Word, let's go with right-handed pitching to start, because uh, okay. this is the complicated one, in my opinion, with so many left-handed, heavy uh, bats in the lineup. Okay. Versus right-handed pitching, leading off for the Twins in your opening day lineup, Edward Julian at second base. That has not changed. That that will remain the mm-hmm. same against a right-handed pitcher. Batting second. Stud. Stud. Batting second, I'm going to move up. I'm going to move up Royce Lewis. I'm going to put Royce Lewis batting second. Assuming he's healthy, he's going to be the best player in your lineup. He was great last year. Uh, I'm going to move him up to second. Rice. And at third base, obviously, too. Mm-hmm. Batting third, I'm going to give it to Max Kepler. They like Max mm-hmm. here. Max spent a good chunk of the time batting third and fourth last season after in the second half when he was their most consistent hitter. I think they trust Max a lot here. And I would probably, in a perfect world, like to even swap him with a couple other players that I'll get down to on this list later on. But Kepler bats third in this situation in, in right field. Yeah, if you're getting like the right. the peak hot version of Kepler, you're 
he was yeah. he was carrying your lineup for maybe a month and a half or two months. And then there's other times the first where half guy played. was unplayable. Correct. Yeah. But against right-handed pitching, too, you're at least getting an advantage there for Max Kepler. Okay. okay. All right, batting fourth, Carlos Correa. There he is. I will move He's up back. Correa. He's back. Yes, <laughs> I will move up Correa, rightfully so here. Uh, look, last year was a, was a down year offensively. The plantar fasciitis definitely hurt him, but in his career, he hits very well from both sides of the plate, but he does deserve, I think, hitting higher up in the lineup than I had him the first time. I will bat him clean up and obviously playing shortstop. Yeah, his. I think you almost have to throw his numbers out the window last year. I mean, it's. I. I don't think they were over exaggerating just how tough it was for him with that foot, and he was kind of begging his way into the lineup more often than out of the lineup. So if he's fully healthy, you're going to get a much greater version of Carlos Correa. And playoffs, he was great. So mm-hmm. yeah, after it kind of didn't it, it didn't it break? It burst fully yeah. before the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's Always like, a good thing. They they clinched. I think he sat out like basically a week, and then he was playoff Carlos Correa, who legitimately is one of the best postseason hitters of all time. It burst against the Reds, and he it it hurts like like hell, and he missed like a week. I was at that, and game. then came back. That's right, in Cincinnati. Yeah. You were in. He Cincinnati. came out in like the first it's when inning. you were like right on. We the were sitting on the dugout. Yeah, like on right the seats. dugout. Unbelievable. <laughs> Thanks All for the invite. Seats. I guess Dex and I were back here. Connections in Cincinnati, apparently. Yeah, Thanks for the invite. You were you going to fly out to yeah. Cincinnati? Well, last I mean, it would have been. I mean, we all could have gone. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for the invite. I, I, hey guys, I uh, stepped on the floor. Hey guys, I know the game starts in three hours, and yeah. you're in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, right now. But I uh, stepped on the floor. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> Queen City. All right. All right. Batting fifth. Yep. Matt Walner. So I had Matt Walner batting second in my first edition of this, and I still don't. I'm still on that. I like that idea, but I also don't want to stack too many lefty on lefty situations, especially when you go to your bullpen and maybe you bring in a lefty to get out of that jam. So I'm going to put Matt Walner batting fifth. He destroyed right-handed pitching last year. Now that was mostly in the sixth and seventh spot of a Twins lineup. That's where he commonly was last season. But if that bat is still crushing right-handed pitching. I have to have it near the top, and he's going to bat fifth and in left field. And it is admittedly here a it's a small sample size of of only two hundred fifty five mm-hmm. plate appearances, and the league will now have yes. just more time to scout his weaknesses. But he had a nine forty nine OPS against right handed pitching in those two hundred fifty five plate appearances, which is bonkers, and a yeah. four hundred four on base percent. So, dude, even if you like. Even if the league catches up to him and he settles in at 70% of that number, it's still going to be valuable. Mm-hmm. Maybe 75%. Like, keep that OPS closer to 800. But Yeah, he's, if he can continue it, he's a, he's a dude. He's a dude. All right, batting six, the newest Minnesota twin, Carlos Santana, and at first base. So, mm-hmm. a switch hitting Carlos Santana, but not really that effective the last two years against right-handed pitching. Not a train wreck. Not a train wreck by any means but not as effective against right-handed pitching. However, he's still a switch hitter. So again, this kind of stacks up, uh, not stacking up too many lefties and righties. So it gives you a different option at, at the sixth spot. But Carlos Santana would bat six and playing first base, by the way, too. Yeah, you want, that, you, want that you want that glove. I know he's 38, but he can, he can pick it at first base. He had the highest, uh, or I guess uh, the best defensive run saved plus minus. He was a plus 11 runs saved compared to average, which... The Twins had the worst defensive first base plus minus yes, last year. Yes. Uh, so this, this, I mean, even if he's not like raking in the uh, the lineup, if he can help you defensively, then it's a net positive. Batting seventh, Ryan Jeffers. 
catching, yeah. obviously. I uh, had a career year, most improved twin award from last season. Very yeah. good, very good offensive player. Uh, I'm going to have Jeffers batting seventh in this lineup. Batting eighth, Alex Kirloff and at DH. This is the conundrum I run in with Kirloff, Walner, Kepler. You can make a case all three of those guys could be hitting three and four in a lineup. You really could with how well they did against right-handed pitching last season. I'm getting, giving the benefit of the doubt to Max Kepler because he's a longer-tenured player. They trust him more. Um, but when you look at all three of those guys, especially Wander and Kirloff, n- uh, numbers against right-handed pitching, you can make a case they should be higher. But this is a logjam of lefty hitters, and i got to move someone in a, in a spot where maybe they shouldn't be. So I have Kirloff batting eighth and at DH. Yeah, I'm, I, don't, I don't think – I'm not offended by this. Like, someone's got to bat eighth here. Yeah. And Ryan, Ryan Jeffers, I think – Ryan Jeffers showed you something last year where if he's above Alex Kirloff in the lineup, now the best version of Kirloff, I think is maybe one of your three best hitters, but we haven't, we haven't seen that guy often. Right. Okay. That obviously leaves a glaring omission so far, batting ninth and in center field, Byron Buxton. Wow. I, I, I'm sorry. I refuse to put this guy in the top of the lineup. I did some, I did some number crunching too. Yeah, but you're putting him ninth though. I don't think he's going to fly. That's I don't fine. think he's going to fly. I don't, There's again. a certain level of like, hey, this dude's been around for 10 years and he's been their best hitter when he's been healthy. This is kind of, I mean, this is going to be, you ha- You try having that conversation with one of the leaders of the clubhouse. Hey, guy, you're batting ninth. Yeah. Easy, because in your last 118 games since he made the All-Star game, Byron Bucks has an OPS of 730. And I understand there's been injuries. That is a league average player over the last year and a half. I don't care about the injuries. This team accomplished a playoff run without him. You have so to earn your hot. hold on. You have to earn your way up in this lineup. And if he gets hot, great. Move his ass up in the lineup. Until then, <laughs> all eight guys in this lineup are better hitters than Byron Buxton. Prove me wrong. That's fine. Go ahead and do it. But I can't put this guy at the top of the lineup when he has been a league average or below league average hitter for the last year and a half. Can't do it. So who? So if he gets hot. Mm-hmm. Who moves down? Yeah, let's say he starts the season the way that he has been for a large chunk of the last five years, which is like, you know, one of the best power hitters in baseball. And it's evident after the first two or three weeks. Then then where does he go? He moves up probably three, four, five. You could make, I think the coolest part about this lineup is, as I explained with the lefty jam even, you could make a case every guy from three through eight has a spot in this lineup. Like you could, you can make a case. A lot of these different guys could hit in any of those combinations of lineup because they're that damn good against right-handed pitching. And by the way, Buxton too is not like anything special against lefties. In fact, you can make a case. He has reverse splits. He does not hit lefties better than righties in his career. They're about even. Um, so until Byron Buxton proves he's healthy. And I will say to counter to kind of contradict myself, Buxton has usually gotten off to really hot starts the last few years in April. So, he has gotten off to hot starts in April. He's gotten a hot start last year, but he then completely falls off the table with injuries or ineffectiveness or strikeout problems. He also, even with a guy who hits a lot of power, he doesn't work a count. He's not going to see a lot of pitches. So until he proves otherwise, I'm not hitting him in the top of my lineup. If I had my stirrups on and I was managing the Minnesota Twins. I think he hits fifth. I was going to say, I would, I would put him fifth. And I would put essentially I would put Walner in the bottom third, and then split Walner and Kirloff with Jeff. I would I would probably go Kirloff or let's go Walner batting seventh, Jeffers batting eighth, and Kirloff batting ninth. And then if Buxton 
is off to a slow start than you then you move him down because there is like a you just listed off a lot of data and numbers and stats and spreadsheets and that's all great but there's like a human element to this i think that putting buxton ninth would have a lot of people in that clubhouse being like that's really disrespectful to a guy that has been a leader around here so i get it like and then if he gets off to a slow start then i would then i would say okay we gotta have a conversation here how how does your knee feel now you're now you're going back back down. Let's do the lefties okay. against lefties here. All right. So uh, leading off against left-handed pitching, Royce Lewis. I'm gonna move Royce Lewis up here in this situation. He's my leadoff man, mm. playing third base, batting second. Carlos Correa. He destroys left-handed pitching. Uh, so he bats second at short. Batting third, Carlos Santana. Ooh. So I put the switch hitting newest member of the Minnesota Twins batting third because he does do a lot better against left-handed pitching. Um, also, again. In the event that that lefty gets pulled for a righty, you don't have too much of a complete run on right-handed bats here in the situation. So Carlos Santana would bat third. Batting fourth, Ryan Jeffers at, at, at catcher. Yeah. Batting fifth, I gave him the benefit of the doubt here because, again, I don't want to go completely heavy on right-handed pitchers. I, I put him right here. Here's Byron Buxton. Here's Buxton batting, batting fifth and center field against left-handed pitching mm-hmm. because the lefties in this lineup they cannot hit left-handed. And eventually, some of these guys, Kirloff, Walner, Julian, you got to figure it out, buddy. Can't be a complete platoon player for your entire career. Yeah. Um, so I have Buxton batting fifth in this edition of a lineup. It's just not against right-handed pitching, because it's left-handed pitching. Batting sixth, uh, Max Kepler. I know he has historically struggled against lefties, but again, I can't just keep a lefty completely out of the lineup. I think he's the one that gets the benefit of the doubt against left-handed pitching. Try to figure that out a little bit. Um, I have Willie Castro. In left field, batting seventh. A switch hitter, too, by the way, in Willie Castro. So it gives you a little bit of no stacking. Uh, Edward Julian will bat eighth. And at DH, he gets a day off from the field. But he DHs. And then Kyle... Oh, D- so, so DHing Julian. Okay, DHing okay. Julian. And Kyle Farmer will get the second base reps, batting oh. ninth. Uh, and I could make a case Farmer could actually lead off against lefties. He's actually pretty effective against left-handed pitching. Um, but I would actually rather have... Bigger bats, the top of the order against a left-handed pitching, than probably put Kyle Farmer up there. Is there? It may be this. There's just not. I mean, they don't have a ton of great right-handed hitting options. But is there a case to be made for Edward Julian not playing against left-handed pitching? And I, I say that thinking at some point he's got to figure it out, and the only way to figure I, it out, I you've got you to run him to out play. there. Yes, I think but you have to play him. He was, and again, small sample size alert here, but you can glean something from this. He had a 900 OPS against right-handed pitching and a 450 OPS yeah. against left-handed pitching. Really, like, he only had one extra base hit against left-handed pitching last year. He's too good to be a platoon player, I think, though. Agreed. And I, I think you, you at least need to examine that. Like, if, if he fails miserably, then it, it's conversation. And what you just said might be exactly right. Yeah. But it fr- it frustrates me at times, or it did, like, with Kirilov and Julian, where it just became a given that they wouldn't play. Because it's like these guys are supposed to be, especially in Julian's case, a cornerstone guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm with Dex here. I think you have to play him. I fear the twins won't. I think the twins might lean towards what you just said, Phil. I would lean towards what Dex is doing and at least give him the chance. And if he proves he's just awful still, then then you take that at at that point in time. Keep in mind too, they um you know, in the playoff game against Gausman at Toronto, he still let off. That was a lefty. He can work a count to a degree. Of all of, of the Kirloff, Walner, Julian, left-handed heavy group, 
I think I'm going to trust right now Julian to get over it quicker because he can work a count and get on base a little bit better. So, yeah, eventually some of these guys just have to figure that out, though. Yep. Yep, you can't. There's not enough roster spots to just do, like, line changes with lefties versus righties. You're going to have to have some guys that figure it out. So, there it is. Yeah, hit us up. If if you think Declan is a, was it a doofus? What was the word? Doofus. Doofus? I believe doofus Doofus. was the word, yep. Hit us up on Twitter or uh, the YouTube comment section. What would you do? Is, is this disrespectful to Byron Buxton to start him off in the in the nine spot? Uh, boys, let's keep counting down our top 25 twins of all time here. So uh, we started about a month ago. I put together this list. You guys are you guys are here to critique it and tell me if I'm an idiot or if I'm way off base. Uh, I did have a committee of two former twins general managers that helped me. I put together the list, ran it by them, and they told me, you know, actually, you know, this guy might be, what about this guy over here? So here are the ones we've counted down so far. Brad Radke, 25, Earl Batty, 24, Jim Perry, 23, Greg Gagne, and Cesar Tovar, rounding out to 21. Bob Allison at 20, Joe Nathan, 19, Rick Aguilera at 18, Chuck Knobloch, 17, and the Rat Gary Gaetti, 16. And then the last installment was two weeks ago. 15, Camilo Pasquale. 14, Zoilo Versailles. 13, Frank Viola. 12, Tori Hunter. And 11, Jack Morris. And now we get 10 down to 6. All right. Hey, before you start, quick question. Because th- this occurred to, to me after a Twins Hall of Fame discussion that we had probably a couple weeks back now. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I've gone, if I've completely forgot this, but I don't believe Jack Morris is a member of the Twins Hall of Fame. I hmm. Did he get? Did he, was he recently inducted? I don't think he was. Let's see here. I don't I have a website. I don't think so. pulled up here. Twins Hall of Fame. I don't think he's in the Twins Hall of Fame because mm-hmm. I've been trying to think. I've been racking my brain about like who could be next, who should be next. Not like. Oh man, I just like this guy, but like guys that had the big cojones when it mattered the most. No, I don't think he, he is. should be in. That's what I was going to ask you. Shouldn't he be? And I know it's one year, but shouldn't he be in? Doesn't look like shouldn't he, he go in? I'm scrolling through, man. I, yeah. I'm I, pretty sure he's not, and he spent a year I, here. I, and I understand I, there's a longevity issue as a twin, but my God, dude, pitch the you know the greatest game in Twins history. I think we can say that unequivocally. I think like, you're right, dude. He's not game seven. in. He's not in. Okay, because I've been think, you know, I've been thinking about like Brunanski and Smalley and going through like who could get in next, and then it occurred to me, Jack Morris. It's not Jack in Morris, thing. dude, and that's why I had him eleven. No, I know why you did because he, he was only here for one year, but he, he was literally it was the most iconic pitching performance in the history of well, baseball. So, and, and your whole platform in sports life is is not longevity. It's what did what did you do with your opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate longevity, but no, I know. It would but have been great saying, to have like, Jack throughout ten Santana years. Santana going off the Hall of Fame ballot with less than five percent is ridiculous. But Jack Morris, okay, I get, I get the problem, but I think the problem is far outweighed by a postseason that was absolutely epic. Yep, we should take this straight to Dave St. Peter. Text him. Send him a text today and say, hey, what are we doing? Hey, guy. Hey. Hey, raise the payroll. Let's get Jack Morris in. Hey, huh? guy. Hey, hey, guy. What are you? But anyway, I think he's the next one. I think he should be next. 
Yeah, let's let's get a movement going. All right. Let's count down from ten to six. Now that right. we've gotten the Jack Morris, I think we all agree on Jack Morris. Sorry about that. No. It just occurred to me. It's all good. It's he all was good. high on your list. Number ten, the big Canadian slugger Justin Morneau. Oh. Justin Morneau. Interesting. Fourth all time on the Twins home run list. The 2006 American League Most Valuable Player, in which he started slow, but winds up with a 321 batting average, a 934 OPS, 34 homers, 130 runs driven in, 331 total bases. And it's funny because that might not have even been his best season. The first half of 2010 before the concussion. Yeah, really. Sorry. I mean, go look at his. He was that was prime Albert Pujols territory. And Justin Morneau was the best hitter in baseball for the first three months of that season. First year at Target Field. He loved hitting there before that concussion. Uh, and his career was just kind of snatched at the age of 29. And he was he, he, he came out of it, wound up going to Colorado, right? And, uh, or Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And he, and, then he, and, he, and he puts up some numbers, but he was never the same player after the concussion right in the middle of his prime. The power so. dissipated, right? Yeah, he never he was never the the 30 35 home run guy. Right. So, and I think part of it too is like he had a year or two where he couldn't he couldn't put in the workouts in the off season that he needed to. He couldn't do the the weight training and it's the It's like Koski was. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, both those guys. So, Justin Morneau, number 10. Can we get that? that I like that music. Can we get that music. Get that music back. Yeah, let's keep that going. Gets me in the the mood to rank baseball things. Number 9. Yep. Kent Herbeck, 14 years as a Minnesota twin, and one of the key centerpieces of two World Series teams, 87-91, 10 seasons of 20-plus home runs, one of the most consistent offensive performers in Twins history, and second all-time on the Twins home run list, Kent Herbeck. I consider this to be low. I'm very curious to hear some more here. This is, okay. we're, we're now, this, this is great argumentative territory. Well, I think, so let's get to number eight here because some of this gets into like, I value peak greatness over longevity, but I would argue that number eight on my list is basically the Kent Herbeck of twins pitchers just in a different era. Okay. Jim Cott is number eight on my list. Okay. So decade and a half with the twins, just like Kent Herbeck, a model of longevity, just a really good player for a long time. 1966 was Jim Cott's signature season with the Twins. He was an all-star, led the majors with 41 starts, 19 complete games, over 300 innings pitched. Top five MVP voting, two for Jim Cott in 1966. Gold gloves all across the board. Uh, He also has the Twins single-season record with 25 wins in 1966, which at the time, wins mattered more because you were pitching like Mm -hmm. eight innings every single time. Yeah. 25 is ridiculous. 12 gold gloves as a twin. He pitched a complete game in game two of the 1965 World Series, which the Twins won that game. And he's number one all time in wins among twin starting pitchers. So Jim Cott, you want to fight me on Jim Cott? You can fight me on Jim Cott. I think we should reserve a show for for you when you do uh, um, five through one and debate it after that. Like the whole show just... Yeah, because I like right, like right now I don't know exactly where you're you're going. Sure. Um, I feel like this could be. I feel like the top ten, once you're done, could be a really good debate about like sure. 
places. Right, I, I'll say this, and I love Kent Herbeck. Love me some Herbie, okay? Two World Series. He, he had the big grand slam, right, in 1987? Off Ken Daly. He was not the best postseason performer. No, he a was one, not. A 154 career no. postseason average. He was not. A 516 career postseason OPS. I think if... If he had been a little bit like yeah, like Puckett in the postseason, okay, yeah. boom, we're talking about big famous game six, whatever. But he was a glue guy. He, he yeah, lifted agreed. Gant, he lifted Gant off the the bag for sure. The fact that he does not have multiple Gold Gloves is one of the great all time screw jobs in baseball. But he doesn't, and Jim Cott has twelve. That's why I'm here to. That's why Sports Dad is here to well. tell you how how he got screwed. <laughs> Don Mattingly won Gold Gloves because Don Mattingly played for the Yankees. Number seven, Burt Blylevin. Okay. Now we're talking about, like, yep. okay, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer has, has to matter here, too, right? Yep. Two, two stints as a twin. The first one, he was dominant. The second one, he was more of a wily veteran on a team that went on to win the World Series. The Twins won three of the four games he started in the 1987 playoff, uh, playoffs, including Game 2 of the World Series. Mm-hmm. All-time Twins leader in wins above replacement for a pitcher on the analytical side. Mm-hmm. He also holds the Twins record for shutouts in a season with nine in 1973. And he's number two all-time and wins among Twins pitchers for the non-analytically inclined. All across the board, Burp Lilevin, yes. one of the most dominant Twins, two different stints. Great I, curveball. I figured you had two pitchers left, and I don't, I don't mean to spoil, but I, I was wondering which one was going to be ranked ahead of the other. And that brings us to number six. Yep. The most underappreciated starting pitcher of my lifetime, based on him being one and done on the Hall of Fame ballot. Johan Santana, I think, is the greatest pitcher in Twins history. Now, you could fight me on, well, he was only there for like six years, and Jim Cott spent 13 years, and Burt Blylevin had two different stints and pitched until he was 100 years old, right? But again, I value peak greatness, and for a multi-year stretch, Johan Santana was the premier starting pitcher in all of baseball. So let me go through some resume stuff, and then I want to give you some context also for why I think he is one of the biggest screw jobs in modern baseball history. So, two Cy Youngs got robbed of a third. We'll come back to that. He holds the twin single-season record for strikeouts in a season with 265 in 2004. On the Cy Youngs, he wins one in 2004, wins another one in 2006. In 2005, Johan Santana finished behind Bartolo Colon for the American League Cy Young Award. Bartolo Colon beat Johan Santana in one category, wins. Johan Santana led Bartolo Colon in wins above replacement, ERA, strikeouts, whip, innings pitched, complete games, and shutouts. He was the better pitcher by a Grand Canyon gap between those two guys. If he wins the 2005 Cy Young Award, Johan Santana would have been tied for fifth all-time in Cy Young Awards. Only four other players have won more than three Cy Young Awards. Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, Steve Carlton. He would have been tied with Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Pedro Martinez, Tom Seaver, Jim Palmer, and Sandy Koufax. Hall of Fame across the board for those pitchers. So you could argue that by him getting screwed out of the 2005 Cy Young Award, that's the reason why he's not a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. So, Johan Santana, the most dominant starting pitcher in Twins history. What's weird, too, is he pitched for the Mets. 
I, I would have thought that stint with the Mets would, would have actually up no national yeah. value. Well, yeah, yeah, which which completely screwed him. Yeah. His arm problems because what didn't Terry Collins have him throw like 140 like pitches? A, for yeah, like 145 game? pitch. It was, it was just something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah. So okay. I know people are going, well, yeah, it was only it was only six years. It was actually like eight years of greatness for Johan when you count mm-hmm. a couple years with the Mets. And again, I just, I value that more than uh, Harold Baines existed for 20 years and he got in the Hall of Fame. That's great. That's awesome. But nobody right. at any point considered Harold Baines the best hitter in baseball. Johan's a different story. So fight me on it in the YouTube comment section if you want. But uh, Johan Santana, six, Burp Lyle, seven, Jim Cott, eight, Kent Herbeck, nine, Justin Morneau, 10. All right. All right. Yep. I say once it's done, then we can spar. We debate it then. We, we spar more of that. Okay, cool. Well, let's do a, a random twin of the week here before we wrap the show. Are you seeing uh, you seeing ghosts there, Judd? Or... Oh no, I was just ch- checking something above me here. Really okay, I just I saw Judd's up. eyes. I was I was also looking like off camera at both the arrays for Zeta, and I was like, "Is he talking to me? Is he talking to Judd? Which one is he, is he talking <laughs> no, to?" I was looking up at something real quick. It's oh already... my god! It's the ghost of Camilo Pasquale. Yeah, he's mad. He's pissed about his ranking. <laughs> so uh, it's Declan's turn. Declan's almost two-month hot stretch came to an end uh, with Mike Pelfrey. Judd got Mike Pelfrey correct last week. So all-time here, random twin of the week. Declan with 11 victories. Judd and I each have eight. The last handful of random twins, Mike Pelfrey, Orlando Hudson, Tony Batista, Matt Garza, Ken Herbeck. Declan will throw out a bunch of clues. We can shout out answers whenever we think we know if one of us gets to a third strike, then that person's out. The other person wins. No Googling. Here we go. All right. This random twin of the week had a negative war in his career. Glorious. Could be any number of random twins from the 70s, the 90s. I'll narrow it down for you. This random twin, the most hits of his career came... At Target Field, like in his career, or like in yep. a season, like uh, in it, his career, it, it, of all ballparks, the most hits he had was at Target Field. Okay, okay, that gives us a little bit of a time frame. Mm-hmm. This random twin of the week spent time in the major leagues with just two teams. That also included two stints with both those teams. He went from his first team. To the Twins, back to his first team, back to the Twins. That was his major league at-bat career, by the way. He he also was claimed off waivers a few times from other teams, but in terms of the majors, he only spent time with two teams, and there was okay. two different stints. I am so was, going, okay. I'm going to look on my computer at the list that we have done of random Twins. So I'm it was cheating. team Twins and then team Twins. twins. Okay. Correct, yep. I love baseball reference because it'll just tell you batting order positions in their career where he spent most times at, at, at what spot in the order. This random twin spent the majority of his time batting second, seventh, and eighth in a lineup in that order. Oh, okay. Where we did we did that guy? 
I think this is wrong, but I... I'm going to wait for another clip. Whoops. Knock something down. Hold on. Oh, it's my pencil. Got it. Okay. Let's go to the Twitter archives. Jay Zolgad once tweeted, I think PMAC21, this is the PMAC21 days of Phil Mackey's Twitter handle. We couldn't get Phil Mackey. <laughs> yep. I Took think. Me like two years. It's crazy. PMAC21 just had his man crush on this random twin increase to the point where he can now spell his name without looking it up. Is it Darren Mastriani? Aha! That's a guess. Yeah. Nice job, dude. We literally saw it. We ran into him at Bunny's I, a few months ago. Story. I was going to Oh, and, a few months ago. Yes. Oh, really? I know he goes. Judge told the stories like he saw him at Bunny's for years and stuff. I didn't know you saw him recently. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, well, no. here's what's funny. Like, Darren and I, and I covered him. Like, yep. and, and we've, like, chatted on LinkedIn and whatever. And, uh, hold on, Darren Mastroy, uh, I'm just putting it in our database. Judd with the victory. Congratulations, Judd. Nice job. Thank you. <laughs> Two in I, a row? Haven't, I haven't won in, like, three months. <clears throat> My head is spinning. Very cyclical. But we ran it. Yeah, we ran into him. And, and he had, like, he had, like, hit me up about something maybe a year before that. And so we saw it. We saw he was with his family and stuff. And we saw him running by chasing kids like, hey, Mastro. Hey, comes over like, hey, it's it's I just say, hey, Phil Mackey, good to see you. And he was it was like he didn't process the connection because he was like chasing his kids. He said, oh, yeah, man. Uh, good to see you. man. I'll, I'll be right back. And he never, never came. Back. <laughs> <laughs> he gave came the back. old curb. Just never came I'll back. I'll be right back. I'll come back uh, and talk to you guys. And then he never came back. It's gone. Poof. Out of my life forever. But yeah, he was a, a really good, really good base dealer before he had yeah. some injury issues. And Toronto Blue Jays, right? Be a coach. Yeah. yeah, Blue Jays, Blue Jays, Blue Jays, Jays Twins, team. Blue Jays, Twins. Okay. Yep, he's my guy. Congratulations, Judd. Nice, nice job. Nice job. Fellow SLP resident. Yep. I was. Yeah, I tried sure. to avoid that clue because I knew you would immediately hone in on yeah. it. So, yeah, I was aware of that. It's good. All right, that's a wrap on the Score North Twin Show here. You can help us grow this show by giving us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for hanging out with us.